Welcome back to The Siding Lap, where we give you an insight into the world of motorcycle racing. On this week's episode, we are talking all things round two of the MotoGP Championship, where we were in Indonesia at the Mandalika Circuit. So let's just jump straight into it. This week, myself and Carly are going to give you everything you need to know about the weekend. Now, Carly and I are both from the UK. If you've listened to our episodes before, you will know that. So out of everyone in our podcast, Carly and I actually had to get up the earliest out of everyone to watch these races. Now, I have been up since 4am this morning. (laughs) And it's currently half eight. Yes. So In, In the evening. In the evening. I have been up for a long time. I also only got three hours of sleep last night because I did try and go to bed early to get up to watch the races, but... That just wasn't the case. I was not prepared for this whatsoever because when I was watching qualifying, I just watched it later in the day. I just recorded it. I was a, a fake fan, really, and just um, watched it later on in the day rather than getting up super early. But I had to get up this morning and watch all the races live, and God, I'm I'm really glad I did. So should we start with the first race of the Me day? Then? Yeah. yeah. I was half asleep whilst watching this, so I'm surprised to recap a bit. Yeah, I've had to go over everything a few times just to make sense of everything. Because to be honest, I don't even know if I was like alive watching this race. But in saying that, it, it was good. So we had a bit of a surprise on pole. We had Carlos Tatai on pole position. Now, great racer, great rider, you know, but I think because the Moto3 guys and the Moto2 guys haven't been at this circuit before. So it was just a bit refreshing to see some new faces, I think, up in the up in the top yeah, positions. Definitely. And then in P2, we had Moreira, which was definitely a surprise. Yeah, I was going to butcher his from name <laughs> if I tried to um, say that. <laughs> and then we have the hometown rider, um, Ajay mm-hmm. in P3 so I yeah. think all the Indonesian fans were really loving that mm-hmm. um, we then had in P4 we had Artigas P5 Mino who was fastest in FP2 and 3 so he was showing some promising results and then in P6 we had Fodja 7 Garcia 8 Guevara 9 Onchu and 10 Suzaki yeah so I think yeah, some of the bigger names that we were maybe expecting to be up there or that you would expect to be up there were a wee bit further down the grid. And I, I do think that was yeah. just down to being at, at a new circuit and just not really knowing the track layout. But for the Moto3 riders, did they not get a wee bit of a re like a lot of rain on yeah, Friday and Saturday? The, yeah, definitely in the free practices as rain. So obviously a lot of them wouldn't have been able to set very fast laps because of mm-hmm. having wet tyres on um Fodger is in was in sixth on the grid but he had a crash in Q2 I think mm-hmm. so that meant he couldn't set a very fast lap which I think a lot of people were expecting from him um yeah apart yeah. from that nice to see some new faces yeah yeah exactly I was just in keeping with the rookie form we had Scott Ogden down in 18th of course part of the vision track team and 
Danny Holgado down in 21st. But uh, keep your eyes out for them because we will talk about them yeah. <laughs> after the race. Because, yeah, some may think that that's pretty shocking results. You're like, why are you mentioning them being 18th and 21st? But, like, Scott Ogden had been going really, really well on Friday and Saturday. Yeah. But I think he had a crash or there was something, yeah. an altercation got- of some sort. He got through to Q2 mm-hmm. on combined times, um, but then he crashed in Q2 at the very start. Mm. And then when they got the bike back to the pits, it was like four minutes ago. They were frantically trying to fix everything. I think it was one of the foot pegs had fallen off. So they were trying to replace that. And then when they got the bike back out, it was literally like four more seconds and he would have been able to set at least one lap. Yeah, I had... um seen a lot of replays of that this morning just before the race started it was a bit heartbreaking to watch this per mechanics try and put that bike back together in such little time but first thing this morning for I think the first time the whole weekend it was actually sunny blue skies in the morning and it was looking really nice and I was like this is going to be a great day of racing and the Moto3 never disappoints in my mind and it definitely didn't today with what we keep mentioning is this new circuit but return to form from Dennis Foggia he just ran away with that I seen a few jokes you know doing the whole he did what Suzaki couldn't do last week but what is this Moto3 turning into that someone just gets to the front and away they go it it was a bit strange to watch yeah (laughs) yeah I definitely think he deserved it seeing as in Qatar he had the he had to start from the back of the grid which was kind of his own fault, mm-hmm. but just shows that he's still in the title fight. Yeah, I think it meant a lot to him from from the scenes that I've seen of him when he actually won the race. <laughs> yeah, I think I think he needed that for himself, and just having a weekend with no penalties, of course, would be massive. And then taking those twenty five points is exactly what he needs to start his championship off right. And then second place, Isan Guevara who started down in what eighth now I was saying this to my dad the whole way through the race because Izan had got a good start and he got he got up to the front pretty quickly but then you know there was a bit of pushing and shoving (laughs) (laughs) yeah so there was no surprise there but I kept saying to my dad I was like if anyone deserves second place it's Izan Guevara because he was just he was trying his hardest to catch De- uh, Dennis Foggia but I just don't think it was meant to be today but I think very deserving again this week not having any penalties because of course he was like Dennis Foggia last week and had to start from the back of the grid but you know it's nice to see these guys racing cleanly and I think a very well-deserved second place for Izan. yeah definitely and then our pole sitter Carlos Tatai finished up the podium which I think was a bit of a surprise to people because as much as yes he did start on pole he had to take a long lap penalty during the race if I'm yeah. not wrong yeah yeah and there was so Dennis Roger basically just cleared off he was like bye guys I'm gone yeah he was like three seconds up the road yeah and there was about a group of 11 riders all battling for second mm. and third um and then on like near the end of the race Guevara had managed to pull a bit of a gap on them so then it was just a group of 10 riders all fighting for third place so Mino, Onchu, 
Garcia Messia, Danny Holgado was in that group as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Suzaki Artigas, um, Bartolone, Tatai and Suzuki were all in that group. So there are some experienced riders in that and some rookies and just everything's oh, going on was, at the same time. It was brilliant. I was so glad they didn't just, I don't think they could have, but I'm so glad they didn't just show us Dennis Foggia running away with it. I mean, it's happened in the past before where there's action going on at the back and they're just showing us this front runner, <laughs> but they were showing us the action, which I, I was so glad about. But like I was mentioning, Carlos Tatai's long lap penalty, I think he went back as far as 14th at one point. So he still is yeah. like inside of the points, but he managed to stay within a big group and fight his way back up to the front again. But he was, well, I was not expecting him to be on the podium basically after he had to take that long lap penalty. No, I don't think anyone was really. <laughs> not until the last See? laps. Yeah, the yeah, last few laps. A lot of people hadn't been around the long lap loop anyway, so mm-hmm. it's all dusty and he could have easily fallen off. But I'm pretty sure a lot of people who took the long lap in Moto3 stayed on. Well, all of them stayed on and they completed it. The Zaki Mino crash. <sighs> the Zaki Mino crash, I think, was just a bit out of hand. I... <laughs> Yeah. Do you really know how I feel about this one? Well, actually, I, I do know how I feel about this one because Andrea Mino is my fantasy league rider and I'm very annoyed <laughs> about it because obviously he won the race last week in Qatar and then this week he gets absolutely T-boned from behind from Ayumi Suzaki, who, you know, nearly won the race last week. Yeah. And he just takes him... I don't out. think it was really his fault. The I track well, was yeah. quite... I don't think anyone intentionally decides yeah. to drive into the back <laughs> of another rider, but I just don't think it was the smartest of moves. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was on the last lap yeah. as well. <laughs> and both of them would have finished well within the points as well, which I think is the even worse thing. Like both of them could have taken away decent points from it. And I mean, Zazaki would need those points because he didn't finish in the points last week. He had to retire his yeah. bike, obviously, after an issue. Minu would have wanted to extend his lead, but like, I just, I don't know what was going through his head. I know you're at a new circuit and you don't really know it, but like, I don't think it excuses just riding into the back of someone like that, but it is what it is. But with that crash, it actually provided good results for. Our dear friend Scott Ogden, 13th place he ended up, which is a fantastic result for the whole Vision Track team. And we're really, really excited for it. I think four riders. points in the Moto3 class. Mm -hmm. I think four riders fell off in the last lap, which is partly the reason why he did get so high up. But in saying that, points are points. He deserves them. He stayed on the bike. Yeah, exactly. The other riders didn't. Exactly. So I think very big mentioned to Scott Ogden and Holgado who we did mention before finished ninth which we talked about in the last week's episode but um I think Jules asked the question of is Holgado injured still or is he just not as good on the KTM he's obviously a rookie yeah he's obviously still recovering from the leg injury that he got from training I think yeah yeah um and he's still what 17 Still got loads of learning. Exactly. So young. And I said, I think if he was fully fit, he would definitely finish with inside the top 10. So 
I think Anik was like, no. And he, did, he wouldn't, he wouldn't. So <laughs> this one's for you, Anik. Holgado in the top 10. Would you look at that? <laughs> I mean, um, Messiah's team only finished in sixth. Yeah, it wasn't. Oh, wait. Seventh. Seventh, yeah. Yeah. Messiah, I thought, would have been up there. Maybe yeah. is that a bit of a disappointment, was, Raj? I think everyone thought last season mm-hmm. because no one really knew what Pedro could do. Yeah. Everyone was thinking Jaume Messiah is going to win the championship. It's a championship favourite. And now he's kind of not there. Last year he was like up in top three most mm-hmm. races. Now he's kind of just I don't not say in the top three. I don't want to say he's fallen off because that's definitely not the case. But I just no, think maybe it's just a new track. Yeah, when you've got Dennis Foggia and Sergio Garcia who really took the battle to Pedro Costa last year, I think your mind would automatically jump to them for title favourites this year rather than Jaime Messia. But in saying that, he did crash last week or in last in the last race. So staying on the bike and getting points, which is exactly what we said about Scott Ogden, is the most important thing. You know, if you stay on and you finish within the top 15, it's a good race. You can improve next time sort of thing. You know, you have to take it as that. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes in some later races for sure so moto 2 can i talk about some british riders for a bit now (laughs) yes well i mean we did talk about some british riders well yes of course we did have a a shout out so before this podcast episode started because obviously there's me and carly everyone was like you can't just talk about the british riders for the whole time (laughs) but i cannot talk about moto 2 without mentioning our pole sitter, Jake Dixon. What a statement from him. I mean, yeah, round of applause definitely <laughs> deserved. Wow. Did you watch the laps? Did you watch it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Stunning. Insane. What do you think about that? Absolutely beautiful. <laughs> I mean, we've all had... Sam Rose has been in Moto2 yeah. for a while now. Obviously, mm-hmm. he went up to MotoGP with Prillia that kind of didn't work out. So yeah. he came back to Moto2. And he's been consistently fast, but there's always been a faster rookie mm-hmm. or faster younger rider who's beaten him to get the world championship. Jake is younger than Sam. <laughs> um, but he's just, I think people have doubted him being with the Patronus yeah. team. I don't think Patronus had the best of bikes, really. And now he's gone back to the... Uh, what's it called? Gas Gas? Yeah. The, no, no Aspar. It is. It's Gas yes, Gas in um, yeah. Moto 3, but it's the Aspar team. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's gone back to the Aspar team, who I think he was with when he first joined. Yeah, when he was a Moto 2. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like family atmosphere. He, the bike's amazing. He can do, he said he couldn't do one laps, but he's just proved that he can do one laps on that bike. He's got yeah. the pace, just everything seems to be going well. Yeah, I mean, he had upset in guitar, I should say, with the first lap. Obviously, he got pushed back to nearly the back of the grid, fought his way back up to 12th, which obviously isn't where he would want to be, or 11th even, sorry still don't know where I am um but he had the pace in that race that if he hadn't have had that bad start he would have been in the battle for third place 
which would have been so so interesting but coming into this week he'd spoke a lot to BT Sport about how he'd been training and preparing for this race because he said he knew it would give him the edge on all the other riders which was true he did a lot of heat training um, apparently Loughborough University helped him out a lot with that and he'd been doing a lot of training in conditions to prepare himself for it basically they'd set him up for even worse like hot weather conditions than what yeah. it ended up being you know they he was so prepared that yeah he just he was the strongest looking for me all weekend so it only made sense that he was on pole position because he looked in a league of his own on that bike and he looked comfortable and I think he really made that statement of he's here to be competitive which I hope made a lot of doubters shut up to be honest because like you said a lot of people doubt him and a lot of people are like oh he doesn't deserve to be here and blah 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 a lot of people have a lot of things to say about him basically and that he's not deserving but I think the complete opposite and I think it's only a matter of time before we see him being really really dominant but yeah, yeah definitely pull for jake dixon yeah and then, then had... in second yes no i i i don't know what happened here can someone explain to me the drama of the rest of the starting Basically. lineup okay so in second on the ground we have um augusto fernandez yes <laughs> and then in third we have sam Lowe's. so mm-hmm. we had two brits Right. Amazing. I think it was the f- like probably the first, first time ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so basically what happened, Sam was crossing the line. I'm not sure if the checkered flag was out for him and they accidentally put it out, but he got to turn one and there was a yellow flag. So mm-hmm. he slowed down. Because obviously, if you go fast in the yellow flag, you're gonna get your lap cancelled anyway, mm-hmm. because there's a yellow flag. Yeah. Um, and Fernandez was behind him and he got annoyed because Sam was not going fast obviously because he throttled off because of the yellow flag and I'm not sure if Fernandez didn't see the yellow flag or something but basically they got in a bit of a argument on the track like Sam was pointing to the yellow flag Mm -hmm. and Fernandez was like pointing to his head like what are you thinking like what are you doing and then Tony Arbolino was just in the background (laughs) doing that he went very Italian (laughs) I've seen the clips and I was like what is actually going on here because Sam Lewis and Fernandez were just shouting at each other like properly going for it they probably couldn't even hear each other (laughs) over the the engines (laughs) But it then was. they got to Park Ferme. Yeah. I think Fernandez was in Park Ferme already and Sam pulled up. And then Sam got off his bike and like talked to Fernandez. And then they shook hands and stuff. So it's all sorted out now. There's just a bit of a miscommunication. Yeah, yeah, Someone not seeing the yellow flag or something. Yeah, they're ex-teammates. So you'd like to hope that there's no bad blood there and that they're still friends with each other. Yeah. But highlight was definitely Tony Arbolino being classic guy. Yeah. <laughs> it was definitely the funniest bit of that. It was very, very good. In saying that, Arbolino was eighth, I believe. Or have yes. I counted wrong? Eighth? Yeah. Maybe so he was eighth. Not the worst qualifying so in the world. on the grid. Yeah, I no, mean, it wasn't... Consistent. wasn't terrible. From I think Qatar as well. Yeah, again, when you have to think about it, he had a pretty rough rookie season, I think. So yeah. to come in 
to a much better team this season. It is still going to take him a wee while to adapt. You know, he's, he's got to get used to being up at the front, I think. So. And it is a new track as well. Exactly. So. But then we had our good favourite, favourite rookie, Pedro Costa, 10th place yeah. qualifying. I mean... I think a lot of people expected him just to run away with it, but I mean, that's not yeah. how it happens, but... I think it's definitely been tricky for him in yeah. Qatar and in Mandarik. And also, I think what I realised in Moto3 is that he he kind of takes time to learn new tracks because in yeah. Silverstone, he hadn't been to Silverstone last year, mm-hmm. and he was kind of like this race, like 10th, not really he wasn't fighting for the win or anything mm-hmm. so i just think it's just because he's a rookie he's 17 you wouldn't like, he's, you wouldn't think he's, he's all 17, these track to learn. i know but you wouldn't think it though because the way he handles situations like this are beyond me because he's just so like calm and a 10th place start for him was probably like yeah that's good like you know yeah. we can work on things we're at a new track i'm a rookie I've barely ridden a Moto2 bike and we're 10th, I think, solid. But unfortunately, even though he qualified 10th, which you could take as a good thing, he received a long lap penalty. Now, what did he receive the long lap penalty for exactly? So there are a lot of crashes in Moto2 and Moto3, mm-hmm. specifically turn two. Mm-hmm. We don't know whether there was a damp patch, which we're guessing there was, or just... I heard actually Neil Hodge, oh, can't speak, Hodgie basically said on BT Sport on his lap around the circuit that he does, um, view, people who don't watch BT Sport won't know what I'm talking about, but basically one of the commentators gets to go around and do a lap of the circuit. And when he was on his way around, he said that turn two, the track almost felt like it was broken up a bit or there was some, there was something about turn two that he was like, this isn't right, which I think is oh, what caused a lot was of... Was it the tarmac? Yeah, the tarmac. But I think that's one of the bits that had been resurfaced, possibly. Oh. Yeah. It just shows that it's so hot over there that the tarmac's cracking already. Exactly. So if it was... That's probably why all the crashes were happening at turn two, mm-hmm. if the wheel got on a, the wrong bit of, like, a crack or something. So what happened was someone had already crashed at turn two so they were already waving the yellow flags and Pedro might not have seen that or maybe he did see that but just he crashed in the yellow flag section so that automatically means you get a long lap because you haven't really seen the yellow flags it's just dangerous it happened to Jake Dixon in Mizano last year his teammate had crashed and yellow flags were out and then he crashed and he nearly hit a marshal because obviously the marshals were out on track clearing um, his teammates crash. But then, yeah, in this situation, obviously Pedro didn't see the yellow flags crashed. You know, it, it could be bad. So I think it is correct that obviously he gets penalised for it. It's, it's fair in that sense. But I think a few notable qualifying results for me, Aldeguer, 12th place for him. Yeah. Again, 16 years old literal children he's honestly crazy yeah we talked about him a lot in last week's episode 
um he's doing good good things but then 13th is Aaron Cannon and I can't go without mentioning him because Jules and Anik will kill me if I don't but not the best qualifying for Cannon but that could be because of the track conditions that we were just talking about I think he did have a crash I actually think he crashed and then it was Pedro then that crashed so I think that they were all involved with each other but so before I forget, <laughs> I'm talking about all these not- notable mentions, but I think actually the second row of the grid was pretty impressive. We had Somkiet Chantra, Bo Ben Schneider, and Albert Arenas. Not three riders I would put together on the second row. <laughs> I mean, Chantra, I don't think he raced at Qatar because he was still injured. Oh, I don't even know. So this is his first race. He's yeah. just giving it everything, basically. But yeah, Ben like we... Snyder, I would not have put him no. on the second row. Definitely not. Well, Albert Arenas, I would put up there. He's obviously Jake Dixon's yeah. teammate yeah. on the Aspar bike. So in that sense, it, Arenas would probably be the only one that makes sense to me being that high <laughs> up the grid. But I guess we'll just echo back on to the that it's a new track and that some riders just will click and some riders just won't. Yeah. And then yeah. we had Vietti, seventh, yes. mm-hmm. um, Arbolino, who we've already mentioned, eighth, and Corsi, ninth. Yes, another good qualifying, actually. I completely forgot about that. Corsi does have some flourishes of, of brilliance, I think, yeah. and ninth place would be a pretty good flourish of brilliance, I would say. Yeah. But then we, we get to the race. Now, it's all still sunny. In Mandalika, it's looking lovely. We're thinking Huge great. Spots of rain. Few spots of rain. Rain was forecast. We'll get to that later. Few spots we're thinking it's okay. You know, they'll get the race. But then about 10 minutes before the race starts, I think, race direction say they're cutting the race to 16 laps from yeah. 26 laps. From 25, so oh, they yeah. mm-hmm. so they shortened it to two thirds race distance. And this was due to the hot temperatures. I can't really wrap my head around this this bit. At five o'clock this morning when I was trying to understand why the race had been shortened, um, I still, at nine o'clock at night, can't really get my head around why they shortened it. I think it was because the temperature was so hot. hot. You know what you're saying about turn two, just mm-hmm. a minute ago, it's kind of breaking up basically the whole track was like that just kind of falling apart because obviously it's in Indonesia the temperature is really really hot it's going down on black tarmac Mm -hmm. so the track is way hotter than the air so the track was getting up to like 70 degrees celsius I'm surprised tires weren't just melting (laughs) on track to be honest I'm surprised they like no one came off like a frying pan and cracked an egg on like a frying pan just fry an egg on the track yeah very hot but with a few wee spots of rain we were sort of I I was a bit confused as to why it got shortened but then I did um I can't remember if I heard it or if I read a tweet about it and it was that when a lot of the riders were going out on Friday and Saturday none of them had put in a lot of laps so there was concern for tire wear because no one had done race distance no one had put it like collected enough data really and done over 16 laps so it made a lot of sense I think the most people did was 12 laps so Mm. then 
after that it was kind of like hit or miss yeah. what went on in the race yeah so I think it was a bit of him like I, I don't know I think that they decided it's so close to the race starting is what worried me because I think that changed the mindset for riders whether they'll admit it or not but we got to the race starting and Somke at Chantra like I don't know he what just, happened to him but he, he just, just flew wow he had an incredible race very you know taking after Dennis Foggia just away he went and no one could touch him he just flew around that track and he had like a three four second lead for pretty much most of the race which I think is just so impressive and he ended up being the first Thai rider to win a Moto2 race which I think is very very impressive I don't think it was even a Moto2 race I think it was just first a premier class a GP yes like a Grand Prix race Mm -hmm. which is insane yeah, we were saying that we didn't expect him to be up there, but you know what? With the performance like that today, I wouldn't be mad if we seen him up there a wee bit more. And his after race interview was just brilliant. He was just so happy to be there. He's got this bleach blonde hair, and he was just the happiest man alive today. And it was just heartwarming. Very, very good. After that, we had Celestino Fieri. We know he can do good races considering he stormed the race in Qatar. He'd started a wee bit further back, seventh place, but I mean, second, he made his way up the grid well, especially in 16 laps. Yes. And then again, anyone really expected him to be out of that. He had a great, like, not great, but an okay rookie season, Mm -hmm. getting consistent results. But no one expected him to win Qatar. No. I don't yeah, even think VR46 expected him to win yeah, Qatar. They were just like, oh my, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. The surprising thing is his teammate Antonelli is really far down the order. He is he started, he started not in last. I think Sean Dylan Kelly started in last place, and then it was Nicolo Antonelli. But, you know, Nicolo Antonelli is a seasoned pro in the Moto3. I was like, this is his chance now. He's finally getting that step up to Moto2. And so far, it's not looking good. I'm not going to say anything too early, but I'm a bit worried for him this season, I have to say. But moving on, finishing up the, the podium, we have to mention him again. And I will give it to him, Aaron Callanet fantastic performance Jules and Alec think I'm not a big fan of him but I I think he's actually really coming into his own and I am going to say it because I think I didn't expect him to do so well this season everyone's been saying it and I didn't believe them and I'm eating my words slightly because yeah he's doing it he's proving to be consistent I know we've only had two races but from 13th to third that's that's good racing in my mind well, he swapped teams this year, so mm-hmm. maybe that's what he needed. The team is good for him, works for him. So that's why he's getting these consistent results. But still annoyed. No uh, bow tie story because he only finished third. He's coming. I need him Argentina. to win a race. <laughs> yes, Aaron Cannot to win Argentina so we can finally hear <laughs> this we bloody just bow tie. Oh, see if it's something stupid. I'm going to be so mad. Like... 
I know I'm going to be disappointed by whatever story it ends up being because it's going to be something so silly or just some bet or something he has with like his team or something but yeah Aaron cannot win it is coming well then we had a bit of disappointment I don't even want to talk about it to be honest I'm still so upset about it so Chantra flew off the grid Jake Mm -hmm. had a great start I think brilliant second into the first corner I'm pretty sure second or third Mm -hmm. um and Sam was with him uh and then Sam overtook Jake yeah and then we had a couple of laps about three settling in a bit yeah it got down and Jake overtook Sam cleanly well yeah yeah amazing Mm -hmm. brilliant perfect and then he the front just tucked and he crashed I could have cried to be honest because (laughs) for the fact that it was half five in the morning could have been one thing the other thing I think was just because I think he was a shoe-in for at least the podium today I don't know if he was on Chancha's level but I think he had the pace with the likes of Vieri and Kamen exactly and with the likes of those strong guys coming up the field who finished off the podium I think he would have been able to to hold them off because obviously he'd showed his good pace throughout the weekend but did you see his little heartbreaking interview that he did with BT Sport um Natalie Quirk was in the box he said that he breaks at the exact same time did everything the exact same time and it, it just can happen to the best of them that's that's exactly the way it is and I just hope he doesn't beat himself up too much about it because like we are saying about Aaron Callet, the win is coming the same is coming for Jake Dix and if he keeps putting in Fridays and Saturdays like this the race will just it will click for him and Sundays you know it'll all work out it will just figure itself out you see it with so many riders unfortunately he has to go through this heartbreak to get to the good stuff but mark my words Jake Dixon he will be a race winner by the end of this season I'm telling you now but if we move on from the heartbreak we did, Sam Lowe's did end up having a good race unfortunately he couldn't keep it on the podium but he finished fourth place which for Sam with his injured wrist he has a very bad case of tendonitis I know he's probably still struggling with it a bit but fourth place is good for him it's good points and it's good for the championship and then we had Fernandez in p5 let's go backwards from his starting place it's disappointing in I don't think yeah he didn't really launch off the grid no I don't think he kind of got dragged back into the pack and then had to work his way back up mm-hmm. and then in sixth we had Ayagura where did he come from I didn't even realize he, he... finished in sixth I was so taken <laughs> by Shantra but yeah when I actually looked at the results I was like oh my god Ayagura that's really good from him yeah what well, his teammate is Chantra so obviously the bike just worked well mm-hmm. around Mandalika and then P7 we have Fermin who started in P12 so that's pretty impressive um and then in P8 we had Tony Arbolino P9 Acosta and that was after he completed his long I lap. think that was a very impressive performance from Acosta like yeah. we, we did mention before it'll be a good result from him or and for him in 
10th, we had Arenas. Did go backwards, but again, I think if you're finishing in the points, I think maybe because I'm not a racer and I'm like, oh, I think it's still good. But I think finishing within the points is is considered a good weekend in my mind. So, yeah, very good top yeah. 10. We did, although, have some other crashes. Of course, we had the heartbreak of Dixon, which I don't want to talk about again. But we had Sean Dylan Kelly, uh, Kubo, and Simone Corsi all crash as well. Corsi's crash was a bit heartbreaking as well. Yeah, he he's obviously on the... um. What chassis is he on? Is he on the Bosco Scuro? Yes. And that, that chassis is... I'm, I think it's so diff- it must be so difficult to ride because the Calyx just have literally the entire grid yeah. full of Calyx. So they're collecting loads of data. Mm-hmm. There's only two bikes. He looked good. He started well, actually, because he'd got himself up to fourth place, actually. Yeah. He was behind Sam Lowe's and Jake Dixon and then a bit of heartbreak for him. Time for the Premier Class, MotoGP. We had said that before the Moto 2 race that there was a few spits of rain. <laughs> a few. Just and a few. And then decided to downpour. Well, downpour is one word for it, I think. <laughs> what is it? Mon- monsoon season? Is that? <laughs> yeah. We're still in monsoon season in Indonesia. And I don't know, someone in the high up thought that it would be a good idea to race there during monsoon season. But... It had all gone well until the MotoGP was about to start. Now, the weather was forecasted well in advance, and they still decided. What did it say? Rain. 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 The time MotoGP. Yeah. So they made the decision to race there in monsoon season, but then no one decided to make the decision to maybe start the race before the rain was forecast, no? Or to swap Moto to a MotoGP. Exactly. Now, the decision that they did make was that, again, the race was shortened because of tyre life. So we were only getting 20 laps of this GP. But that is if the race was actually going to start. But I think (laughs) we have to go back a bit. We have to go back a bit. I'm getting ahead of myself because we did sit for two hours waiting on a race to start pretty much. But, or an hour even. I don't know. Yeah. It was it was like an hour, hour and a half. So long, but it was giving me Silverstone 2018 flashbacks. Oh, I said it was giving when me. They actually did cancel. Yeah, it. it was giving me a Spa 2021 vibes for the Formula One fans out there. You will know <laughs> the heartbreak that was Spa. I was definitely thinking that we weren't getting a race, but anyway, yes, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We have to go back. We have to go back now. The great thing about the Mandalika circuit is that there is no massive long straights at any point. Yes, for Yamaha. Fantastic for Yamaha. As a Yamaha fan, these are the things you love to see. And Fabio Quattararo is back. Put it on pole position. I mean, what a way to show everyone that you're still there. You're still dominant. Silence the haters. Silence the doubters saying that Yamaha is terrible. I was one of them, even though I'm a fan. I was like, Yamaha need to fix their problems. Well, here comes Mandalika and it's brilliant. Fabio Quattararo back on pole position where he should be. I think he did pretty well. He did. Amazing. I mean, that bike in Qatar was... It was the same bike, but somehow... 
because of that string guitar it just looked like it was he was on a scooter and everyone else just shooting past him Mm -hmm. 10 wasn't it like 10 10 or 12 kilometers slower ridiculous awful because all the mature p races are within like seconds Mm -hmm. so you need to be up there top speeds but somehow he put it on pole don't know how he did it Wait, put on pole. I'm not complaining about um, it either. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just brilliant. Then behind him, we had the two Pramac Ducatis. Are we surprised so, though? Because I'm not. Mm, I'm really not. Kind of. Kind of. Because really? I would have expected if it was a Ducati track, where were the factory Ducatis? <laughs> oh, wait, let's look. <laughs> Funny you asked that. Miller was in ninth. And Bangyaya was in sixth. But the Pramac uh, well, Ducatis were up in second and third. Well, we've seen it before where Pramac does qualify well. And it could be a thing that it's the start of the season. Pramac has a very good bike. We've had the confusion yeah. as to what bike Peko Bangyaya and Jack Miller are actually yeah, on. Maybe it's because the Pramac ones are on the different Yeah, who knows? I'm, I'm still confused as to that situation. But in my mind, it's seeing... Martin and Zarko up there isn't that much of a surprise. My big surprise comes yeah. from Banyaya and Jack. Now, Banyaya putting it in sixth place, I think, was actually very, very impressive because mm. Friday and um, Friday free practice one and two, Saturday free practice three, terrible, awful. What is going on with Peko Banyaya? He had to go through Q1. That was how ridiculously low he was in free practice. I don't. I don't have words for it, to be honest. Disappointing. Anyway, moving on, because we can talk about the Ducatis a wee bit later on. Uh, Brad Bender. This is one that I need to mention because, wow, he is starting this season strong. I actually don't think we've seen KTM start a season so strong. But saying that with Brad Bender, his teammate, Miguel Oliveira, actually qualified well for once as well so is this a resurgence of maybe ktm i feel like we've got to have a few more races to decide if the ktm is good or not because last year they had a very up and down season Mm -hmm. first half of the season okay second half they were 18th not scoring points at all so we we talk about it wait and see for that one we talked a bit about it uh, last week with KTM's problems, but I've just I've read here, Brad Bender fourth, Miguel Oliveira seventh. Yeah. So Saturdays are usually KTM's problems. If we take out the rookies, obviously, of Raul and Remy, I know they did test here, but they're rookies, so we have to cut them a wee bit of slack here. You know, we've got seasoned riders in, in Brad Bender and Miguel Oliveira. These guys have contracts to think of. I know Brad Bender has a slightly longer contract, but Miguel Oliveira has a contract to think about and qualified seventh. I would put that as a big tick beside KTM's name for, for qualifying for once. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Normally they're qualifying midfield and with MidGP, yeah. you really need to qualify in the top two rows. Yeah. So I think qualifying in my in my mind sort of went as usual I think one of the the big things was Honda Honda seemed to be struggling if we thought Ducati were struggling Honda 
were having a horror weekend. I mean, Mark, where did they even qualify? Mark and Paul were both in Q1. Also, so we had a Mark, Paul, Bangyaya, and Mir all in Q1. Mm-hmm. And normally they're some of the top runners. So it's quite a shock to see them in Q1. And then in Q1, Mark crashed twice. I see the clip of him running. <laughs> yeah, he crashed once and he did his usual mark, ran to the side to get on a scooter and go back to the pits and get on his mm. second bike. Gets on his second bike. I'm not sure if he did a flying lap and he crashed, but he crashed. Obviously, he has no more bikes. So he's just chucked away. He's qualifying because A, he wasn't fast enough to make the top two. And B, he didn't have any bikes left. Yeah, you crash so many times, <laughs> you only get so many bikes to go back out on. I I think the, the big comment from Mark Marquez um, during the weekend was that he wasn't sure where the limit of the bike was. Yeah. That's a pretty concerning comment. We will talk about it more in a wee minute, but if that's how you're going into the weekend, surely that's a bit concerning. That would raise the red flags. It, it did raise the red flags for me of both Mark Marquez and Paul Espagro because I'm thinking if Mark's feeling that way, Paul is probably feeling similar because they're, they're on the same bike. And it, it showed because they both qualified badly. Yeah. Let me work this and out. I, and the 16th and 17th. Honda. Yeah. yeah. The LCR Honda boys didn't qualify that well either. I think they're both in Q1. Nakagami qualified last, I think. Tw- yeah. Yeah, 24th. 22nd. Oh, 24th. I forgot. I forgot. Too many of them riders. <laughs> And then Alex qualified not high up. I actually I don't even have them written down here. That's no. my badly qualified. <laughs> Sorry. But so not- I think it was just a bit of a Honda disaster. Yeah. Notable bad qualifying, those we always talk about the notable good qualifyings, but you mentioned Mir. Mir qualified in yeah. 18th. He's just had a, a weird weekend. Yeah, I don't know. He was so low down. down. Yeah. But Rins was. Rins did not too bad. Rins was eighth. Eighth. Yeah, Rins was. He qualified which is good. eighth. Usually for me, it would be the other way around that yeah. Mir would be up there. I mean, he's the world champion. He's usually up there, but. And then Alex Rins would have crash and he'd be further down the grid but roles seem to be reversed now that's interesting because I was actually watching MotoGP Unlimited the other day and in one of the episodes they're talking about Suzuki and all of Alex Rins's crashes basically in, in 2021 which he had a lot of but when both of those riders got signed for Suzuki I can't remember who said it but it was such a comment and it stuck with me and it was like make no mistake Alex Rins was the number one rider in Suzuki and then he had all those crashes and all those horrors and then Mir obviously won the championship and those rules were reversed immediately Johan Mir is obviously now the top rider but when you get a result like that you're going this is the Alex Rins that Suzuki signed I'm I'm thinking in my mind hopefully it'll be a bit more consistency from him good qualifying I don't know. I'm just not a mere fan. Then Bastianini qualified P5, which is pretty strong for him, seeing mm-hmm. as it's a new track. 
he obviously doesn't have the experience with like other riders like Banyaya. But Banya somehow qualified below him, <laughs> even though Bastianini's on the 21 bike. I think this we're gonna see this as the season goes on. Yeah. I think unless Ducati sort out what their problems are, the, the factory Ducati, sorry, sort yeah. out their problems. I think we will see the GP21 bikes do well because we know they do well. We've just seen a whole season of them being dominant. So expect good things from the Grissini racing team, I think. Um, another notable qualifying would have to be Alicia Spagro, who was in 10th, yeah. but you think 10th good for Aprilia. Teammate Maverick Vinale is down in 20th. Didn't really hear much from him all weekend. Seemed to be having the same problems as the likes of Mark Marquez, Paul Spagro, Johan Mir. Top riders that we all think should be up there. I know, obviously, he's still quite new to Aprilia. He did have some races, what, about six races with them last season, but... Yeah, disappointing. 20th is, is a bit rough. And then I think the last qualifying place we have to talk about, 23rd, Darren Binder. Make note of that, 23rd, Darren yeah. Binder. It will make sense in a minute. It will all make sense. So let's skip forward, Sunday, race. Let's talk about this rain that we were talking about earlier. Oh, Home it was... Soon season. <laughs> Whoever decided to have their race in monsoon season, do you know it's monsoon season? But here's the thing: did they not learn from their mistakes when World Superbikes also went yeah. racing in Mandalika during monsoon season in November? And the race was cancelled. And what happened? Yeah, rained. Race was cancelled. Obviously, in World Superbike, they have two races on Sunday, mm-hmm. so we had to wait for the second one. And I think it was the last race of the season as well. It was. It was. I so they had that. to cancel one of the races. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, so we're there. It starts raining. We expected it. It's what the weather forecast said. No. Start off as a few drops. No, but it get heavier <laughs> and heavier. We had the weather forecast for rain. I don't know. It's 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 a tradition that they have in Indonesia. They had a lady who was a shaman. Now, she was doing um, rituals to try and stop the rain as well. They had people out on track trying to brush away the rain. They the had... safety car, it was going round and it was like it was going through a river Yeah, in some parts of the track. Yeah, so... Everyone was saying, no race, not going to drain in time, not going to stop raining in time. And all the riders had to catch a plane to, I think they were going back to Lombok at seven o'clock mm-hmm. and this was at like four o'clock so yeah it was a bit I mean they had a lot of things in place to try and cope with the rain to deal with the rain the rain kept falling the rain kept falling for about an hour before yeah there was finally a let up in the rain at one point probably about an hour into it I was thinking there's not going to be a race here there just couldn't be there was no way that the track was going to drain in time and then another worry was that if it did keep raining the gravel traps would also fill with rain which is very dangerous for the riders because obviously if someone crashes etc etc there was a lot in free practice people were crashing and there was just standing water on the gravel the bikes were just getting 
flipped over exactly there, you know there's a lot of things to think about when it rains it's not as simple as just getting on a bike and away you go in the nice sunny weather rain causes a lot of problems but like we mentioned it did eventually let up it was about four o'clock local time and riders were eventually allowed out to go have their shining laps etc etc and the grid was lined up I think if we we could jump back again Mark Marquez I think we have to talk about him before the race starts we said that he had a bad qualifying but things just went from bad to worse has to be mentioned he had a massive crash in morning warm-up it was one of the worst crashes I think I have ever seen the fact that he got up and walked away still stuns me all these hours later he said he didn't know where the limit of the bike was but he found that limit this morning and it was horrific I have no words really for the crash it was it was rough but in in the crash he got taken to the medical center which was following every protocol correct he was stumbling about in the gravel it was just right that he was taken to go get checked after a crash that heavy but then it did take some time to to hear back a lot of people were worried I, I was worried went to the hospital yeah flying to the hospital then mm-hmm. yes yes he got airlifted in an ambulance yeah. now he was up but he did get taken in a in a helicopter because it would take too long to get him to the hospital any other way but shortly before the race he was declared unfit to ride they put it down to concussion. We're not sure if he's injured any other way. Alberto Craig, the Honda team boss, did say that it wasn't any broken bones or anything. So it, it did seem to just be concussion. But then a lot of people obviously are worried about his diplopia. Has yeah. he injured Has himself come back again? again? Yeah, there's a lot of concern. You know, how many big crashes can you take? But... Yes, Mark Marquez declared unfit to ride. Very, very scary crash. We wish him all the best in recovery. We hope to see him back out in Argentina in a few weeks' time. But obviously, he needs to follow all of the correct protocols. And if he is not feeling up for it and he doesn't pass his medical checks, then, of course, he will not be racing in Argentina. But we'll keep you guys up to date with all that. We, you know, we'll let you guys know that. And in due course, you know, when we find out, you guys will find out. But... Yeah, pretty pretty rough way to start the MotoGP. But I think that was probably the worst thing <laughs> that happened. Yeah. But yeah, the race started. And what happened, everyone Carly? Was on, everyone was on wets. There was mm-hmm. a few wet patches still on the track. And you know who went into the turn one first? Tell me. Fabio Quattararo. Oh, Fabio was doing his own sort of wee rain dance (laughs) in the paddock in the morning. He was sort of joking around with a lot of the people in in the stands, but it worked because Fabio Quattararo suddenly somehow knew how to ride in the rain. On a Yamaha? Was he riding a Yamaha? I tweeted this on the sailing lap. I was like, sorry, is everyone saying this right now? Fabio Quattararo riding in the wet and doing well. We're as confused as you are because poof. But Fabio Quattararo wasn't the impressive one, I don't think. Who stormed up the grid? Mm, Oliveira. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Starting seventh and turn two, turn one, he was up into P2 already. Going past all the Ducatis and his teammate. Crazy. I don't know. No, I, I didn't expect. Well, I thought I didn't expect it. It wasn't Miguel Oliver that I was expecting to be up there. It was no. Jack Miller, who did lead the race for a wee yeah, bit. He did was get up there. there. Yep, we expected that. He's good in the wet. He's won in the wet before. Jack was up there. Miguel somehow was up there. Not complaining about it, though. Uh, Fabio didn't lose touch. I think the lowest he went was probably fifth or sixth. Very good for Fabio. Alex Rins on was the up Yamaha. there. I know we're saying that it's on the Yamaha, but honestly, when you go back and look at the races last year, in the wet, it was not good for Yamaha. No, The bike not. was just... People were just zooming past. Like he was standing still. And Fabio himself doesn't... You know, it makes it well known that he doesn't like the wet weather either. Like People know he does not do well in the wet, but anyway, yes. Alex Rins. what he said after in an interview was that he doesn't mind the wet it's when it's like half wet half dry mm. it's not really wet you don't really need wet tires in some of the places but for this one you definitely needed wet tires yeah for the third time alex runs good good race he was up there yeah have to say doing well i mean darko as well so i was also up there top five very strong, very, very strong. But Miguel Oliveira did a Dennis Foggia and a Somkiat Tantra. When I was looking back at the races, I was like, these all kind of similar. Just someone shot off the line and mm-hmm. built a gap for seconds. And the person in second just can't keep up with them. I think apart from Dennis Foggia as well, Somkiat Tantra, Miguel Oliveira, not two people that I'd put up at the front. Not complaining about it in that sense. But, I mean, Miguel's won races before, but I really just was not expecting that today. But he flew. And again, masterclass, away off at the front, like you said, three, four seconds ahead. Complete another masterclass. This is where the interesting stuff happens, though. Jack Miller was in second. And then I don't know what happened, but something clicked inside Fabio Quattararo's mind. I'm going to keep going on about it. You're going to keep going on about it. Wow. I mean, he started flying up the grid. He was the fastest man on track for a lot of that race. I think if Miguel hadn't have got away so well, Fabio could have been fighting for the win with the the pace that he had, especially in late race. I mean, Rins and Zarka had both passed Quattararo. Mm -hmm. And then somehow Fabio was just like, right, I'm going to go for it. Pass Rins, yeah. pass Zarco, then pass Miller, and was in second in a wet race on a Yamaha. <laughs> on a Yamaha, but it seemed to be once Fabio got past Miller, Zarco sort of went, I'm going to do the same thing. And you could see the switch yeah. in Zarco then as well, because he really went, all right, let's go. And he also got past Miller on a Pramac. Yeah passing your factory team yeah. I mean I know we keep saying there's problems at Cali, but yeah. that's problem well, number one is you talking about team. problem number two Paco finished 15th 15th 
he scored one point seeing as he crashed out on Qatar. One point. He scored one point. <sighs> and here everyone was thinking Ducati were going to storm the grid. Eight bikes on the grid. This is what and I'm somehow thinking. Fabio is in P2 yeah. in the championship. This, this is what I'm thinking is that has there been too much pressure put on Ducati as a whole, yeah, the fa- is... factory Ducati as a whole? Because we know Pramac are good. We didn't know what to expect from Grassini. We didn't know what to expect from VR46. There's about 10 million Ducatis on the grid. But factory Ducati had a target on their back. They're the Constructors' Championships from 2021. You know, why are you not performing? The first two races of the season, you need to get points. You need to be doing well. Jack Miller, fourth, okay, should have been on the podium. Peko Bagnaia, the guy literally fighting for the championship last season, has had the worst two races, I think, possible yeah. to man. Actually, he qualified sixth and went back 11, no, nine places. Nine places. <laughs> I can do math. But here's what I'm saying. I was going to say, he's had the worst two races known to man. Lie, because... Jorge Martin, I think, has had it just a wee bit worse. Yeah. We are talking, yes, Pramac did well. Yes, Jorge Martin qualified well. Yes, Johan Zarco qualified well. But unfortunately, Jorge Martin has crashed again. Now, this week, thankfully, no one else was involved in the crash because obviously last week, Peko Bagnaia took him out. But yeah, I'm very mad that wasn't it. his fault. I know, but I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm still not happy about it. But unfortunately, weather conditions kind of similar to Jake Dixon's crash in a different part of the track, yeah. but the front just seemed it, to go. He, he didn't seem to do anything Morbidelli, wrong. Yeah. And there was a big wet patch just caught the front of his tyre and slid out from underneath just him. Went on a bit of a slip and slide into turn yeah. one, to be honest. But, <sighs> but yeah, I mean, problems, problems, problems. But the podium ended up being Miguel Oliveira, Fabio Cattararo, Johan Zarco. Not the podium I was expecting. Not mad about it whatsoever. It helps Fabio Quattararo immensely for the championship. I was having this conversation earlier. When you look at all of the people who you expect to be battling for the championship, I'm going to put it down to Fabio Quattararo, Peko Bagnaia, Jack Miller, Mark Marquez, you know, those sorts of people, Johan Mir, etc., etc. What a race from Fabio to be up there and none of your other title contenders anywhere near you. The closest being Jack Miller and fourth. Yeah. Yeah. And then fifth, we had Renz, who we've talked about. Great. Great yep. race from there. I was a wee bit disappointed Sixth. he wasn't on the podium. Sorry. I have to do I do yeah. have to mention that. But he's finished two races in the points. Yeah. Good. It's gotta be a good thing. A then. record. Sixth. <laughs> Sixth we have May. How many places did he make up? He was way back on the grid. 18th to 6th. What's that? 12? 12, 12, 12, 12 places? I didn't realise yeah. it was that much. That is that is impressive. I did, I did slag him off a wee bit earlier, but I have to admit that that race was pretty masterclass yeah. it from was, I don't think anyone was really expecting him to come out that far because no. he just had, he just couldn't seem to figure out Mandalika as a track. Really. But I, I wouldn't consider him a, a wet, weather rider either you know you sort of look at the yeah. likes of Jack Miller and maybe Johan Zarco and you fancy them in the wet but Mir was not not one that I would be expecting but a good performance yeah and then we had 
Morbid early in seventh. Good performance and, from him. Yeah. And in eighth, we had Brad Binder. I did find out something about Brad Binder was that his ride height device yes. didn't work at all. So off the line, he probably had the worst start of his life because mm-hmm. it was not working. Going into corners, just he did not have that speed. And I don't know how he managed to keep eighth. But to be, to be honest, it all makes sense now because he did drop back the grid. And I remember watching it and being like, what's going on with Brad Bender? And I just, yeah, I, you everyone don't really know. Him yeah. And kind everyone, of do it better. Everyone was making the, the jokes and everything too, you know, because obviously he's won in, in the wet before. Everyone was like, oh, yeah, Brad crazy Bender. Austria, so, yeah, but he, it, it all sort of made sense then when we heard about it later on that that is exactly what had happened to him. But fair play to him for finishing an eighth that battle for eighth was probably the most exciting yeah. part of the race because there was a quite a big group of them actually. I yeah. think Peko Bagnaya, who you said finished in 15th, was the back of that group or almost the back of the group. Yeah. So we had a lot of good riders in that battle from eighth down to about 15th. Yeah. Alicia so Spagro. Yeah, Alicia. And who then finished we had ninth. Darren Binder. Mm-hmm. No one could have predicted that, I don't think. No, we did say earlier, do you remember? Darren Bender qualified in 23rd. And he finished 10th in the points. His first ever points in a MotoGP race. First ever points and first, like, top rookie performance today, Darren Bender, without, yeah. without a doubt. Like, he has had probably the the most media attention the most stick the most you know horrible mean comments because he was moving up from moto 3 to moto gp which we've only seen done one time before with none other than jack miller but he didn't end his moto 3 season in good fashion obviously by knocking dennis foggia out of the championship battle with pedro acosta but Put that aside, a lot of people were taking the mech out of him basically for moving up into MotoGP. And I think a lot of people were silenced today by that performance because 13 places were made up. And wow, the highest he actually got up was eighth at one point. I was really hoping yeah. he was going to finish there, but his brother came up the inside of him, near took him off his bike, mind you. But we love a wee bit of yeah, brotherly. There's a, a video of them of Brad going past Darren in slow motion and Brad goes on the inside mm-hmm. and kind of like gives him a bit of a nudge and Darren just looks over and you can see because they've obviously got the clear visors mm-hmm. on you can see his eyes just looking at his brother like what are you doing I hope they had a good laugh about that one after the race because it was it was brilliant but Brad just having that extra experience in MotoGP I think is yeah. why he finished ahead of of Darren but to me, as much as we have been going on about some other riders a lot today, rider of the day for me, 100% is Darren Binder. And myself, along with hundreds of thousands of people all over the world, are eating their words of not being convinced that Darren Binder was good enough to be in MotoGP. Because with a performance like that, he has made his mark and he deserves to be there, I think. Let's give yep. this guy a shot. I'm excited to see where he goes from there. The confidence that that will have built will be immense I think he'll only get stronger after that to be honest 
another person to mention is Fabio Di Giantonio, mm-hmm. who made it into Q2. Yeah. Which I don't think most people were expecting because Mir, Peko, Mark, and Paul were all in Q1. So I think most people were expecting like maybe Pekka and Mark to get through. Obviously, Mark had all those crashes, so didn't get through. Mm-hmm. But Digi Antonio, he just f- was flying in Q1. I don't think he placed yeah. very well on grid. No, he didn't end up finishing too well. He finished in 18th. But, you know, like I said with, with most things, you know, it's good for the rookies to get that experience. Yeah. You know, I think he will take a lot away from that. And, yeah, but I think his teammate, Bastianini, obviously won last week. He finished 11th. I don't think that's horrible. We have to take in consideration that, you know, it's only an A Bastianini's second year in the class, again, yeah. on a circuit that we're not that familiar with. Now, obviously, the MotoGP riders did test there, but testing doesn't mean that much in the grand scheme of things. When mm. you're actually racing a motorbike, it's very, very different. So I wouldn't... Also- be- in the testing, the tyres were different to the tyres that Michelin brought for the race because Michelin brought a harder rear tyre mm-hmm. because of the high temperatures so that the stability was better. But this meant that there was less grip. So that was why the Honda riders were struggling because they just didn't have any grip at all mm-hmm. on the rear. I also the BT Sport commentators were saying that uh, during testing, when it rained, a lot of the riders didn't go out and collect data mm. in the rain, which I think a lot of them are probably very annoyed about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they should have. They should have. 12th place, Paul Spagro. Not horrific. He stayed on. He's got points. I think he probably just wanted that weekend to be over, to be honest. 13th, Alex Marquez. Not bad, not horrendous, just mediocre at, at best. There. Yeah. 14th, Luca Marini again. There, thereabouts. I think, I think the bottom half of this grid, it could have been anyone in any of the positions. Franco, uh, Franco, Peco Bagnaia, 15th, like we mentioned. Here's one I'm still a bit confused about, though. Maverick Vignale is 16th. Now he qualified in 20th, so he did make up some places. But outside of the points, I'm, I'm not too chuffed about He's it. He's an experienced rider, so I think a lot of people are expecting him to be a bit further up the grid, especially with Aleish. He's Aleish is just there all yeah. the time now. But Aleish was ninth, so it's not like Aleish had a wonder weekend. You know, he probably could have done better. Conditions were terrible. But 16th, I just don't think is good enough. Not from Maverick Vinales. Um, 17th, Raul Fernandez. 18th, like we mentioned, Fabio Di Antonio. 19th, Takanakagami. 20th, Marco Bezzecchi. Pretty rough weekend for him. And I think he did have some fast times. Yeah, he did. practice he did. and quality, but... Obviously, he didn't, couldn't put it together for the race. And then finishing up was Remy Gardner, 21st. But obviously, Dovi, um, not sure what happened to him. Yeah, he I didn't crash. I think it was technical. Must have been, must have been. Um, I was just going to say, yeah, we didn't have too many crashes, which was 
just what I was about to lead on with the Dobby thing there which was yeah very good unfortunately yes Martin had that crash that obviously we talked about it was a bit of a rough one he got up he was okay but the fact that after that (laughs) horrible horrible weather I mean did you see the lightning bolt that hit the track yeah yeah it was the weather was just no, obviously the lightning, Crazy. sorry, if, if no one's seen this, the lightning hit the track well before they started the race and the rain was nearly stopped by the time they did start the race. So there wasn't any thunder and lightning when the race was actually happening for, for anyone concerned about that comment. But yeah, I think for the fact that the conditions were so bad and that about 20 minutes before the race, you, you needed a, a boat to get around the circuit. The fact that there was one crash and then a, a technical problem from Dolby is a very very a good weekend in that sense yeah but that is it mandalika done ticked off the list let's not go back in monsoon season though i think is the the way to go on that one another one is reduce the ticket prices or give out the tickets to the local fans because the stands yeah. were apparently very very empty because apparently the tickets cost at least two weeks wages for a local resident to go i was a bit disappointed when i heard that but i think because it's just me and you carly should we pick our our rider of the day for each class should we do something a bit different yeah moto three rider of the day who do you think okay so moto three i'm gonna pick the pole sitter Carlos Tatai. Good choice. Good choice. Mm, Yeah, very good. Okay, for me, we're we're quick fire through this. Scott Ogden, great race. Love to see British riders doing well. Next up, Moto 2, rider of the day. I'm going to say Chantra because. Has to be. No one expected it, I don't think. Has to be, has to be. I was just so happy to see him up there. I will pick someone else, though, just to be. To be good, I think mm, mm, Pedro Acosta started tenth, long lap penalty, ended ninth. Nice, good race. Strong. I'm ex- I'm excited to see him race where he doesn't have to start from near the back of the grid or have a long lap penalty. Next up, Moodle yeah. GP, go for it. I'm picking Quattrara. Ah, oh, no. <laughs> okay you should have gone fast lauren oh i'm sick well i think we all know that i also would pick quadraro but i am going to pick although miguel oliver won the race i did say it earlier darren bender rider of the day rookie of the day amazing fantastic performance let's hope he goes upwards from here i think that was good to do since it was just the two of us very lonely little podcast today (laughs) but hopefully you guys enjoyed this week's episode I cannot wait to go to bed to be honest I've been up for far too long today but thank you so much for listening to our second race review of the season I cannot believe we're already two races in but wow what Argentina next oh and the races in the evening aren't so can sleep in oh cannot wait yes that'll be that'll be good for us so yeah we will be back next week with another episode and then the week after that is race weekend if i'm not wrong so sunday the 3rd of april 
people set your alarms MotoGP will be in Argentina I am very very excited for that one we haven't been to Argentina in a few years obviously because of Covid yeah gonna be a new track for some people I'm excited Pedro Costa oh I just oh I'm excited I'm very excited but yes again thank you so much for listening to Carly and I go on about everything that happened I think we're both a bit delirious at this point but (laughs) if you want to find us anywhere else you can find us at the siding lab we are on Instagram Twitter Facebook TikTok of course here on Spotify we have other episodes you can go and listen to if you find yourself bored in between the two races but yes like I said we will be back next week cannot wait to see what that episode is and yeah thanks very much for listening we'll see you soon